Blog Talk Radio. talking sports and having fun doing it. I want all your ideas, all your opinions, and all your beliefs. And of course, as always, you're going to get a heavy dose of my opinion. If you have an opinion, the number to call, 646-727-3070. That's 646-727-3070. You can listen to the show at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. You can send messages to the show on Twitter at goforgant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. You can also hit us up here in the chat room at blogtalkradio.com slash pgant. And, hey, you got an opinion? You got an idea? You got an opinion? You got a belief? Call 646-727-3070. Great show lined up for you today. Expected to be joined by actor Ray Anicelli. And, and Ray, from Brooklyn, New York guy. He's a New Yorker through and through. Uh, Ray's got a big movie coming out, September October 24th, excuse me. St. Vincent, starring Bill Murray, who's in that. So, I mean, that's going to be a big-time film. He's getting some Oscar buzz. So we're going to talk to Ray about that film, talk to Ray a little bit about the New York sports scene, I mean, and, and you know, get his take on various things. So we're going to talk to Ray, and Ray will be joining us today in the second hour. Maybe joined by Willie Rope. We'll see. We're efforting that as well, but we'll see. Again, Ray Anicelli will be joining us in the second hour we're going to be talking sports and having fun doing it. Let's get right down to business. Baseball. Baseball playoffs starting hot and heavy. And the Detroit Tigers. I mean, the Detroit Tigers is one thing the Tigers are synonymous with is pretty good starting pitching, but bad bullpen. Bad bullpen. You're up in a game, six to three in the eighth inning. You, your bullpen needs to be able to get that done. Your bullpen needs to be able to bring that home. That's what your bullpen needs to do. And I mean, if I was a Detroit Tigers fan, and I'm glad I'm not. I'm a Phillies fan, but and you know, Phillies didn't really have the best of seasons. But if I'm a Detroit Tigers fan and and I just see how they just fall apart, I just see how things just bad happen. I mean, four run eighth inning, you're up six to three in complete control. You're supposed to win that game. Justin Verlander went five innings. Not great, but he it was a workman like five innings. But at the end of the day he put his team in position to win. He put his team in position to win. The Tigers are just can't get right. Can't get the bullpen right. No matter what they do, they can't get it right. I mean, they they make the trades at the deadline to solidify that starting rotation, but the back end is a struggle. 
is a struggle. And Soria was the victim today. He was the victim today. He also didn't do too well the other day as well. Didn't do too well yesterday either. But the Tigers bringing these guys, you know, on the front end of their, the front end of their team, the front end of the, the the team, and then they, you know, you get other guys, you know, bringing in Astoria to help with that bullpen, and it's just not working out for the Detroit Tigers. No matter what they do, they can't get it right. They can't right. Just can't. Can't get it right. They can't get right. That bullpen just can't get right. That Tigers bullpen just can't get right. They can't get it right. You remember last year against the Boston Red Sox on the verge of going up two games to nothing. On the verge of going up two games to nothing. Joaquin Benoit in the game. And I love it when they call me Big Poppy, steps up, hits a grand slam, ultimately ties that game, ultimately the Red Sox win that game, ultimately the Red Sox win that series four games to two. That was the turning point in that series. Tigers win that game, they may have won this that series. And the Red Sox may not be World Series champions. The Tigers, on the front end of the bullpen, Get it, I mean, the front end of their, their starting rotation, on the front end of their pitching, they get it done. They get it done. The back end, they don't. And you remember last year, Anibal Sanchez pitched game one for the Tigers against the Red Sox in the ALCS. Almost had a no-hitter. Combined no-hitter. Then... Max Scherzer comes back the next night, pitches well, hands it over to the Tigers' bullpen, and it falls apart. It falls apart. I mean, Scherzer, in that game, too, seven innings pitch, one earned run, 13 strikeouts. I mean, that's getting it done. You're happy with that type of performance. That was last year. That was last year. But at the end of the day, the Detroit Tigers can't get right. That's what they are. They can't get it right, at least on the back end of things. You got to get it right. You know why those Yankee teams in the 90s were so dominant in the 2000s? Why they were so dominant? It was because the bullpen was a, you know, bullpen was a part of it. They had guys who could consistently close out games. They can consistently close out games. And you look at yesterday. You look at yesterday for the Detroit Tigers. Eight runs in the eighth inning. So the eighth inning for the Baltimore Orioles. The Baltimore Orioles in the eighth inning. I mean, the Baltimore Orioles, excuse me, their eighth inning has been their Money inning. It's been their big inning. Four runs today, eight runs yesterday. A combined 12 runs in the eighth inning in the first two games for the Baltimore Orioles. What is that a byproduct of? Some 
a byproduct of the bullpen. That's the byproduct of the bullpen. Max Scherzer wasn't great yesterday, but the bullpen came in, and they were bad. Six earned runs charged to the Tiger bullpen yesterday. Six earned runs. Can't win when you're not right on the back end. You can't. And the Tigers, this has been an all-too-familiar theme for this ball club. Not getting it right in the end. Can't get right as the Detroit Tigers. They can't get it right. (laughs) They just can't. And now they're on the brink. Of being, of losing this series down two games to nothing, headed back to Detroit. Now Baltimore, three games left, and they only have to get one. They only have to get one. But if you're up six to three in the eighth inning, your bullpen has to take it home. They gotta take it home. You gotta take it home. And they didn't do it. And now again, the Tigers are. In are on the brink of elimination, just like that, and they're in trouble. You know why? Can't get right. The bullpen just can't get right. And that's the bottom line. If you can't get it right on the back end, you're not going to win. And that rhymes. When you can't get it right on the back end, you're not going to win in the end. And that's the bottom line. And the Tigers have never got that part of the game right. Never have gotten that part of the game right. They haven't got that part of the team right. And because of that, they faltered in the postseason. You can't win when the back end is not good. You can't do it. And the Tigers are on the brink of elimination. I mean, it's good. I mean, for the you know, my team's out of it. Philadelphia Phillies. But I look around, I mean, you know, the Royals are a great story up one game to nothing in the ALCS, and who could forget the playing game the other night? Um, that was an amazing game. That was an amazing game against the Oakland A's. And Oakland A's, another team that, you know, find a way with the sabermetrics and everything to get themselves in the playoffs, you know, limited payroll, but they still find a way to get themselves in the, play- in the playoffs, but can't get it right. Can't. Get it right. Can't get to that next step. Can't do it. Can't do it. And the Royals, I mean, an improbable team in a lot of ways. Look at the Royals. I mean, you figure down 7-3 against the Oakland A's, a team with a pretty good bullpen, you're down 7-3 with a team that, you know, offensively, not the best. You know, offensively, you know, this. you look at the Kansas City Royals, you're not saying, wow, this is a big-time offensive team. You're not. You're not saying that at all when it comes to the Kansas City Royals. You're not saying that. I mean, their biggest home run hitter was 19, Alex Gordon. The biggest. And uh, he was the best player pretty much in terms of statistics. You know, 19 home runs, 74 RBI. But, you know, no 100-RBI guy, no 20-home-run hitting guy, you know. So, I mean, and and this is a team that found a way to scratch, found a way to claw, and found a way 
to to beat the Oakland A's, another team that just can't get right. So it's almost improbable how this team, just looking at the numbers, how they're here, especially, especially when you look at what they did in that playing game. I mean, you look at their pitching. Best pitcher, James Shields, 14 wins. So, I mean, you know, you got another 14-game winner in Ventura. But, you know, this team, you look at the numbers for the Detroit Tigers, and you're not saying, wow. You're not saying, wow. You're just not. You're not saying, well. But this team, they scratch. They claw. And they won game one, scratching and clawing against the uh, Angels. And they won the playing game, scratching and clawing, excuse me, against the Oakland A's. So if you you ask me, who am I rooting for? I'd have to say the Orioles and the and, and the Royals. You know, I have to say that because it's it's it's. You look at those two teams. And to me, you know, two teams that hadn't had that, you know, haven't had the success, a lot of success over the years, now an opportunity with these teams to to ultimately and possibly, who knows what could happen. I mean, I've always said this about the sport sport of baseball. Not always the best team wins all the time. It's just it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen all the time. Hockey, same way. Football, the same way. You know, you can hockey, you can ride the hot goaltender. Baseball, you can ride the hot pitcher or a hot bat. Football, you can win the turnover game in a particular football game, and a ball could just bounce your way, and you could win. It happens all the time in sports. All the time in sports. Especially those three sports I named hockey, baseball, and football. Or even, but you know, look at hockey and the way that puck, the way the puck bounces sometimes. It's a funny thing. It's a funny thing. But the Royals, they're up one one game to nothing. The Tigers, down two games to nothing, on the brink of elimination. And how about Bucktober in Pittsburgh? That was quick. <laughs> Giants beat the Nats today. Get it done. Jake Peavy, solid performance. Giants get it done against the Nets in game one. But how about and beat Steven Stroudsburg? Remember, two years ago, Stroudsburg wasn't a part of the playoffs because of, you know, they didn't want to wear his arm out. They didn't want to risk injury. They wanted to be delicate with his arm. And they risked an opportunity to go to a World Series and win a World Series, as far as I'm concerned. Ridiculous. But anyway. Anyway. Cardinals on top of the Dodgers, one nothing. Kershaw, Kershaw, Clayton Kershaw on the mound, possibly the MVP and the Cy Young Award, Award winner. Possibly, definitely Cy Young will win. Definitely going to win the Cy Young. Definitely going to win the Cy Young. MVP, that's a possibility as well. But the Cy Young is a cinch, and I don't think you need to really watch much baseball to figure that one out. But Cardinals up one nothing. Royals and Angels get started tonight. Orioles up win seven six. They're up two games to nothing. 
and the Nationals lose game one. Jake Peavy and the San Francisco Giants get that game one in Washington. Steven Strasburg loses in his playoff debut, which is three years too late as far as I'm concerned. He should have been out there, but out there. He should have had playoff experience. This should be his second time at it. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Speaking of ridiculous, Thursday night football, ridiculous. Ridiculous. Thursday night football has been an absolute, complete joke. Bad football. It's a bad product on Thursday night football. But the reality is, if networks are going to be willing to pay for it, people are going to watch. Reality is, if people are going to 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 watch, then people if people are going to watch. Guess what? Guess what? It's going to continue to happen. The NFL can tell you all they want, that they care about player safety. They don't. Thursday Night Football tells you all you need to know about how much they care about player safety. They also tell you they care about domestic violence. They also tell you they care about a bunch of other things. But they don't. It's bottom line money. But the Thursday Night Football product has been Awful. It was awful last year, too. I mean, you're just not getting a great brand of football. I mean, we can look at each and every Thursday night football game. 36-16, to 16, the opening night. Seattle against Green Bay. 36-16, to 16, not even close. Seattle beats up on the Packers. Baltimore Ravens beat up on the Pittsburgh Steelers, 26-6. to 6. So, you got... Game one, 20-point win. Game two, a 20-point win. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's It's a bad product. It's a bad product. We look at week three, 56 to 14. The Atlanta Falcons beat up on the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. 32-point victory. At one point, it was 56 to nothing. The Giants, the following week, beat up on the Washington Redskins, 45 to 14. That's a bad product. A bad product. And then yesterday, the Green Bay Packers stomped the Minnesota Vikings. Beat them up. By 32 points. Folks, that's an average of a 32 points. 32 point average margin of, excuse me, 27 point average margin of victory. The margin of victory for the for the teams that have won on 30, uh, Thursday night has been 27 points. That is a bad product. That my friends, makes Thursday Night Football darn near unwatchable. Makes it unwatchable. I'm just looking at last year. You look at 2013, week two, 13 to 10. I remember that game. That was an awful football game. It was close, but it was a bad brand of football. Just bad. New England beat the Jets. Thursday night, September 19th, the Chiefs, Chiefs beat the Philadelphia Eagles. Sloppy game. 
Uh, another sloppy football game on Thursday night. Week four of 2013, the 49ers beat up on the Rams 35-11. to Was not even close. Unwatchable. Cleveland beats up on the Buffalo Bills 37 to 24. That game was a lot. Clo- that game was a fairly close game, but Cleveland and Buffalo, unwatchable. Chicago Bears beat up on beat the Giants 27 to 21. <coughs> 27 to 21. Not a bad game. Not a great game, but not a bad game. Bottom line is this. The Thursday night football product is a bad product. It's a, just a bad brand of football, and they have to find another way to to make it watchable. They have to find another way to make it watchable. Because as of right now, it's unwatchable. And, and luckily for people, Oregon was on last night. Luckily for people, baseball was on last night. Arizona and Oregon you had last night. You had baseball on last night. So fortunately for you, you had some options. You had some options. But Thursday Night Football has been a bad option. It's been unwatchable. And the NFL has to find a way to make Thursday Night Football watchable again. They they, they have to make it watchable, have to make it watchable. Whether that means better matchups, whether that means um, giving teams a bye before playing that Thursday night game so the team that's coming off a bye would then play on that Thursday night. So then, you know, you would have a team that was fresh. You would have a team that's a much more of a fresh team. I mean, that's what you would have to do. Could it be, you know, Mark Cuban talked about this, you know, the the NFL in in some respect. You know, the beauty of the NFL was that, okay, Monday, I mean Sunday and Monday, you had NFL football. And then after that, after that, you wait till the following Sunday. But now... The NFL has Sunday and Sunday night, Monday night, and they also have Thursday night. And look, Mark Cuban said it. Mark Cuban said this back in March. Quote, I think the NFL is 10 years away from implosion. I'm just telling you, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered, and they're getting hoggy. Just watch. Pigs get fat. Hogs get slaughtered. When you try to take it too far, people turn the other way. He went on to say, I'm just telling you, when you got a good thing and you get greedy, it always, it always, always, always turns on you. That's rule number one of business. That's rule number one of business. Cuban went on to say they're trying to take over every night of television. Initially, it'll be, yeah, they're the biggest rating thing that there is. Okay, Thursday, that's great. Regardless of whether it impacts the NBA during that period when it, when we cross over. Then if it gets Saturday, now you're impacting colleges. Now it's on four days a week. It's football. At some point, the people get sick of it. 
Um, you know, Mark Cuban knows business. You know, when Mark Cuban talks business, we should all grab a pen and a pad and start listening and start jotting down what he's saying. Because Mark Cuban knows what it takes to make money, knows what it takes to be successful. Mark Cuban is a a very successful man. A very successful man. And I look at it. And you look at the NFL. Sunday product is good. The Monday product is good. But the Thursday product has been awful. So you you have three nights. You have three nights pretty much. But your product on Sunday, Sunday night is cool. The product on Monday night is cool. But the product on Thursday night is awful. It's unwatchable. It's unwatchable. I mean, you, you're, the game last night was over pretty much by the first quarter. By halftime, it was definitely over. It was over by halftime. So by halftime, you either switched over to baseball <coughs> or you went to bed. You went to sleep. You switched over to Arizona or Oregon, or you went to sleep. Because, I mean, 28 nothing at halftime, 14 nothing at the end of the first, 21 nothing in the second quarter, and 28 nothing again at halftime. By the end of the third quarter, it's 42 to nothing. 42 to nothing. And we're all asleep at that point, or watching baseball. We're watching Arizona and Oregon. They got to find a way to make it better. The bye week idea is a good idea. And, and maybe also, maybe also, maybe what they can do is do what they were doing in the past and instead of giving us a bunch of weeks of, of, Sunday night football, Thursday night football, excuse me, maybe give us like eight weeks. Maybe you give us like eight weeks of it near the, near the end of the regular season the way they had it before. And then at that point, you know, it's it's near the end of the season. And, you know, hopefully the matchups are, are, are teams that, you know, are involved in some things. But hopefully the matchups are better. I mean, every night, every Thursday, a game, every Thursday, a game, and it's it's I dare I say it, sixteen weeks of this. Dare I say it, but Mark Cuban might be right in terms of oversaturation. The market may be oversaturated. The market might be oversaturated. I mean it it's 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 one th- I mean, you you're putting the product out there, but if no one's if people are turning it off you know, I mean, obviously people are watching. People care about the NFL. And it's not just all about the games. It's about a particular player you might have for your fantasy. It could be a particular team you have for a suicide pool. I mean, it could be all those things. <clears throat> it could be all those things involved in it. It's just not the game. There's, there's various aspects of the game that people are going to watch. 
And that's not even whether or not the score is, you know, they're not even going to care about who's winning the game. They might care who's winning the game, but by how much they won the game. They might care if, you know, they might, you look at the score and see Packers 42, Vikings 10, but you're looking at, oh, what did Randall Cobb do? Oh, how many points did Eddie Lacy give me? Oh, how many points did Aaron Rodgers give me? So that's what you care about. You care about that. A lot of people care about that. Or I got the Packers in the suicide pool. So let me see if they'll win this week. If they win, I advance. I move on. And so people are watching it for that. So there's all these things that people are watching football for. It is not necessarily for who wins. So that's the part of popularity in the NFL. The thing the NFL has to be careful about is, you know, them just tinkering with this game and and in a lot of ways making making the game less physical. This the NFL game <clears throat> obviously is not as physical as it was maybe five years ago. You know, ten years ago. Ten years ago, definitely. Five years ago, you can say. The game is not as physical as it once was. And the beauty of the NFL, the beauty of the NFL, and one of the reasons that people are drawn to it is the violent nature of the sport. People like the violent nature of the sport. The penalties are are really, really annoying. I mean, I was watching the Eagles and, and the 49ers last week, and every time I turn around, each and every play, you're waiting for a penalty to happen, whether it's illegal contact, whether it's holding, defensive holding, whether it's roughing the quarterback. Each and every time, I mean, penalties, it's, it's just annoying, and it affects the flow of the game. It affects the flow of the game. I mean, you have 20 penalties called in that game. 20. 10 for the Niners, 10 for the Eagles. 20. Ed Hockley was the star of that game on some level. I saw more of Ed Hockley than I've seen of other players. I mean, LaShawn McCoy touched the ball 10 times. Ran the ball 10 times. So 10 touches in that game, no catches in that game. Well, at Hockley, I saw him 20 times. I saw LaShawn McCoy 10 times, and I didn't see LaShawn McCoy for long because he only had 17 yards. I saw Ed Hockley more than I saw LaShawn McCoy. That's a problem. That's a problem. Frank Gore touched the ball 25 times. Guess what? I may have seen Ed Hockley. I almost saw Ed Hockley just as much. That's a problem. That's a big problem. Anquan Bolden, five catches, 62 yards. I saw Ed Hockley 20 times. I may have seen Antoine Bolden five to ten times in that game. It's too many penalties. In the National Football League. And and it could be a situation, because I remember years back when the NBA 
They kind of outlawed hand checking. They outlawed hand checking, and and so you had games where where players were shooting free throws left and right. And ultimately, after players got used, you know, they got used to the rules a little bit, and and it became a little more comfortable with the rules. Eventually, you know, the, the penalties and I should say the fouls went down, and that probably what's going to happen here. That's probably what's going to happen here. But at the same time, at the same time, just, I mean, I look at, there was a play, Kerry Williams uh, on Anquan Bowles in that 49ers-Eagles game. And I saw that play, and I saw, um, you know, I was thinking to myself, and it was a holding call, or it might have been a legal touch, one or two. But I was saying to myself, if you can't do that, if you can't do that, what Kerry Williams did, I don't know how many people saw it, but if you can't do that, then you can't do nothing in terms of coverage. You can't do absolutely nothing. So with that being said, it's, it's. I mean, I, you know, you heard the NFL union coming out, the referee union for the NFL talked about some things as well. But if if you can't if you can't do what Kerry Williams did to Anquan Bolden last week and it was barely a touch, then the league is, is you know people you know people are always going to love the NFL for a long period of time, obviously, and you know people are going to stay with this league. I, I don't even with the game changing, people are still watching. But you know the penalties are annoying. The penalties are very annoying, and and it's just it, it makes for a frustrating, unwatchable situation. It makes for a frustrating and unwatchable situation. It makes football the beloved game that we all know and love and enjoy. It makes it unwatchable. I mean, we all, a lot of us, most of us, a lot of Americans love football. They love the sport, but when you just see just you know the penalties, and and the things that people are being you know the penalties that that people are being called for, it it just makes it unwatchable. It makes the game unwatchable, and you know, again, I'm I'm, I'm still going to watch. You know, I'm going to watch regardless. But you know, it it's so geared towards offense, so geared towards offense. It, it's so geared towards it. You know, it, it's so geared towards offense, and you know. Obviously, that's for not the the hardcore fan, but that's for the casual fan offense. And and it's you know if I want to see offense, I'll go watch arena football. Bottom line, if I want to see that much offense, but I mean we'll see what happens. And and maybe over time, once the players get used to the rules, uh, the penalties will drop. I hope, but because it, it's killing the game, it really is. We're gonna bring in a guy now who who had a great career, done a lot for the game of football. Football's done a lot for him. Let's bring him in now, Hall of Famer, Willie Rofe. Willie. Uh, how are you doing? How are you? Good. Willie, let's start off with this. You've been watching a lot of these games, and the penalties, I mean, it, it, it just kills the flow of the game. When you watch these games and you see all of these penalties, what's your thoughts? <laughs> it's a long way away from the world, uh... 20 years ago, I mean, it just, it takes, it takes the momentum away from teams. 
I mean, you got some tic-tac-y, especially against the defensive players. Some of these are called the tic-tac-y. And, you know, like I said, it's just geared to, you know, I, I mean, if you're, not, if, you, if you're a team and you're not taking shots down the field, you might as well because, you know, you got it's a good chance you're going to get a call. You know, and, um, you know, it, it, you know it, just, it, it totally takes, you know, I, I know it's so, it has to be so frustrating, frustrating for the guys on the field playing because, you know, they don't feel like they can really play the way they want to play football. Right, and, and it's almost like it goes against in terms of what they learned growing up in terms of playing a game of football, it, it's kind of counter to that. And it, it, it's, I mean, it, it's just difficult to watch sometimes. And, you know, obviously we both love the game of football, but it becomes very difficult to watch. Some bad news out of New Orleans today. Jarius Bird out for the year with a meniscus. The Saints, you look at this team, struggling. You were there last week against the Dallas Cowboys. This team, 27 in terms of points allowed, giving up 27.5 points per game. This team is struggling right now. Obviously, you, you lose Jarius. Go ahead. What are you saying? You're telling me he's out for the year with a meniscus tear? He's, he's done for the year. Jarius Bird is out for the year. All the money they gave Jarius Bird, first of all, Paul, he was overweight everything. He was playing horrible. You know, he was not playing well. I had a meniscus tear in 1998 in the middle of the season, and I was back in 12 days. So you're telling me he's out for the year on the meniscus tear? Well, I know. Let me ask you this. I know at the time, you know. Come on, now, Paul. Come on, Paul. It's let me ask you this. Well, 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 we, we, we look at um, uh, Derrick Rose, and he had a meniscus injury. And, you know, Basketball he was done for the year. Basketball is a different sport. But let me ask you this. I know there's, I know there's, there's two different type of procedures when it comes to the meniscus. I know there's one procedure that they don't they take the, they take it away or they take it out that allows you to come back faster. And there's another procedure where you try to get it repaired. Okay, regardless of the meniscus tear, I don't know how bad it is. I had about a forty percent meniscus tear. They took out four, they took out forty uh, percent of that meniscus, and then they, uh, you know they, they don't have to open you up. They put the, the little holes in you, and they and, and they and they go in there and they uh and they clean you out. And you know if you if you're not a, a big bleeder and you live fast, I mean I came back fast. I understand I was twenty eight. What how was James Bird? But I was back. I missed one game. I missed Carolina. They came back and played against Minnesota when they were fifteen and one against John Randall. Right. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's it's a big loss for sure. I mean, he was their marquee free agent. Let's be let's be honest. That was a big big acquisition, and he has not played well. And to be honest, right. Richard Malcolm Jenkins has been playing a lot better for Philly than he's been playing for the Saints. And they played him. I, I, when they gave him fifty million dollars and he's the safety from Buffalo, first of all, I'm not gonna give a player from Buffalo that kind of money because Buffalo. I mean, who are they, who are they playing? I mean, how good a player are you if you're playing in Buffalo? I can't give you how good a player you are if you play in Buffalo. I mean, I gotta give a player that's playing against good competition. Every week, that kind of money. But I mean, that's my opinion of it. But I mean, he, he hasn't looked like that good a player, to be honest with you, to me. Well, and, maybe, and I was talking maybe, to you. Maybe, talk- maybe, maybe they got him playing uh, out of position or maybe a different style of play than he's used to playing when he's in Buffalo. But you, you tell me how good he's looked. He's always running plays. He's not doing, He's coming up and not even making tackles. I don't know. 
It looks like he don't. It looks like he, he don't know what he's doing to me. And, and it could be a situation in the system, and you and, and I was about to bring up Malcolm Jenkins, the guy that you know Jerry Spurrier replaced. Malcolm Jenkins at this point, after the first four weeks of the season, is having a Pro Bowl year. And you look at Burton, it could be, like you said, it could be the defensive system that he's in. I mean, it could be a bunch of different factors. That I mean, before he came to the Saints, he did make some big plays. He was a big play guy, made a lot of big plays. But you know, I mean, if you're the Saints, I mean, that's a devastating loss. We're trying to put in fifty million dollars a guy from Buffalo. Well, well, and, and here's, on, a, on, a bad, on a bad football team, though. I mean, Buffalo wasn't a good team. That's like a guy that plays basketball that goes out and scores out of pass, but the team isn't any good. I mean, so, you know, to, to your point, he still was playing at Buffalo and they weren't that good. Well, here's the thing. And, and you know, talked about you, you talked about his, his play. And according to Pro Football Focus, who's, who's graded out his play, well, he's been 65th out of uh, the 76 safeties within that whole uh, uh, stat there. So, I mean, he's not graded out well at all. And and if he were the pro bowl player in Buffalo, he ain't look like it because he was the Saints. He look like a guy that shouldn't even be out there. To be honest with you, they did him a break by putting him on IR. But yeah, I don't, even even if you have to have surgery to repair a meniscus, I don't think it takes as long to heal. It's a meniscus test, not an ACL. That's not. I mean, we're still playing into the season. That's twelve weeks left. Uh, who's the guy they didn't put on IR? They didn't put uh, 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 the quarterback on IR, Robert Griffin, and he dislocated his ankle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean. And here's the thing. I mean, you, you look at this, and in the off season, a lot of people were touting this guy. I know, uh, being in the Philadelphia area, and the Eagles are definitely in the market for a safety. There were a lot of people in Philadelphia who were very upset, and I know they're probably happy now that the Eagles didn't go after Jarius Bird. But I guess in hindsight, at this point, you know, being and, and you never you never know what injuries and everything, and injuries happen. It's a part of the game. But at the end of the day, even before this injury. He really has not been playing that well. So, I mean, at the time, it was a good acquisition for the Saints. I don't think anybody can really argue with that at the time. But now it looks bad, and we'll see uh, when he comes back next year. But let me ask you about the Saints. You were there last week in Dallas. I mean, the Saints, for years, I mean, they own the Dallas Cowboys and, 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 you know, always put up big-time numbers against the Dallas Cowboys each and every time they played them. And then you talk about a bad Cowboys defense. So you're not a good, not a good Cowboys defense. You're talking about a Cowboys defense that a lot of people talked about being a very bad defense. They're playing decent, playing okay. But what you saw last week, you got to be concerned if you're a fan of the New Orleans Saints. Well, look, you know the thing that happened last year. The Saints defense played so good last year when people didn't expect it to. And, and and you have some you have some veteran guys that are gone. Roman Harper, uh, the linebacker been there a long time. I know Will Smith was hurt, but I mean I think that defense played above what it should have played last year. But this year it does. I, I mean it doesn't look like they're in sync. It doesn't look like they're playing together. Um, they're not getting off blocks. You know they're not making plays. And to be real honest with you, you know they look a little they look a little soft for me. I'm not saying you need a lot of knuckleheads, but you know you you gotta have some 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 knuckleheads. I don't care where you are when you when you have a football team, especially if you're side of the ball. You gotta have some people that want to hit, 
when we get after people, and the Cowboys are playing hard, they're flying to the ball. If you look at the highlights, you know, they got guys around the ball. There's three or four guys hitting the guy every time he, he touches the ball. So, I mean, that's the way you play defense. So it's just nothing can replace effort and, and energy and, and guys want to get after you. And I don't know. I mean, I don't want to say they're soft, but even on the offensive side of the ball, I mean, when when West Carlin was in the lineup, uh, they look like a different team than they do now. I don't understand what's going on, but and it, I mean, there's Drew Brees right now. We're talking about um, uh, Tom Brady. Just look at Drew Brees. He he had, he's putting up numbers, but he hasn't been playing that well. Right, and and you you talk about it. I mean, also what's missing, what could be missing from that offense is. What they have in Philadelphia, I mean, Philadelphia did well against, uh, you know, did well in terms of getting Malcolm Jenkins and trading for Darren Sproles. I mean, Darren Sproles, you know, the talk around New Orleans that he possibly was done and not the same player. Well, Darren Sproles has shown me in the first four weeks of the season that he's still explosive and still can get it done. I mean, and maybe the Saints are missing that element on their offense as well. I, I agree with you. I think they're missing that element. I don't know who they go. Who they thought they would go and place the with as far as the return guy, also the punt return. But they are they are missing him a lot. Definitely, he brings a, he brought a, he brings a lot to the table for the he brought a lot to the table with the Saints, and, and he brings a lot to the table with the Philadelphia Eagles, and and he's one of the reasons the Eagles are three and one. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe. Tom Brady, Tom Brady struggled and has been struggling throughout the course of this season. I mean, at some point, Father Time does have to catch up to you. And, and here's the thing about Tom Brady over the years. You know, people are saying now that, you know, the Patriots don't have the weapons. But we, we could have said that many years when we talk about the Patriots. I mean, you know, when they were winning Super Bowls, they didn't always have the who's who's and weapons on the offensive side of the ball. And, and so right now they're just struggling in New England. Tom Brady is older. Maybe Tom Brady is finally slowing down. What are you seeing out of Tom Brady? I know he's not getting protected on the offensive line. He's not getting protected at all on the offensive line. That receiver they picked up Paul last year, number 85, where is he this year? The, other, the big guy they picked up, he was a pretty Tompkins. good receiver for them. Where is he? Kendrell Tompkins, who, who is on the team. and I mean, he's not putting up the numbers. They're not getting it done. Okay. Was it picked up so? They picked up somebody last year. I don't see him playing. You know what? I'm going to say this. Tom Brady had a great year last year because of what he was able to do with those players last year and, 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 and look to know they were serious yet. That's why I say when I looked at Tom Brady last year, to me, that was one of his finest years for the production he got out of a bunch of guys nobody had heard of. This year is just the opposite. They're not getting any separation outside of them not, not being able to get any separation. Uh, he's not getting that much protection. And, you know, he had, and he's throwing some bad balls. But I think it's just a combination of everything catching up with him that they they let go of too many real good football players, and I don't know what they draft, how they drafted, but they just haven't replaced it. You can't just replace a Russ Walker and some of these guys that they tried to replace on the offensive side of the ball, the running backs. They had Brunt, who played real good for last year, they let him go. You know, you just can't replace these guys with young guys or inexperienced guys. you got to keep a quarterback a core group of established veterans around, and then you have to mix in the yellow guys and let them young. But you have to keep a core group, a nucleus of core decks around if you're going to be good. And let's be honest, too, on the defensive side of the ball, some of the real effort those guys are getting older, too. So 
I think it's a combination of things, and uh, you know, maybe it's, you know, you know, like you say, we all have our run. When you get over thirty-five, thirty-six years old, you know, you get to pushing the uh, between that thirty-five and forty, it gets a lot harder to come to get up, get get up to play every day. And literally, it just absolutely, you know, he's been in all those battles for all those years. And sooner or later, you just can't do the you you want to say you can do it, you want your mind to do it, but physically your body's not going to let you get up to do. Battles forever. You just can't do it. For sure, and 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 they got a big test this week against the Cincinnati Bengals. And and I'm interested to see how the Bron- how the Patriots respond. Excuse me, coming off that particular loss, the way I mean, beat up by the Kansas City Chiefs, your Kansas City Chiefs. And I'm interested to see how they respond after that loss and see what I mean. Brady, Brady's one of those guys. He's like Peyton Manning. Those guys are done when they actually show you that they're done. Like, you, you can't really forecast when they're going to be done. They're done when they're done. And, and like, Tom Brady, I can't say he's done yet. But, I mean, obviously, he's, not, Tom Brady, he's also Tom Brady a slow start. Tom Brady can, keep, can still give you some big games, but if the line is blocking like that line is blocking, then he ain't doing nothing. I, th- I think in, in Lincoln's out for the year, they got a couple guys that are out for the year, just like Atlanta. And, I mean, those guys just can't block. I mean, you know, uh, it's like, it, uh, I don't want to say this, but it's kind of like uh, when you talk about the Boston Celtics used to be. You got to have, a, you need a little bit more color on that offensive line. To, you know, you, you know, you, you got all them boys up there that don't have any pregnant and, and they get ran through. I mean, they got ran through last week. And, 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 and uh, you know, he's a competitor. We all are competitors, but, uh, Sooner or later, you got to, uh, this is what my, I thought, my thought flex was, I was hurt so, but I was having an all-pro year, my day 35, but, you know, I just wanted to go out on a good note. I wanted to go out where people want more, Paul, instead of going out with people uh, trying to throw you, trying to run you outside of town, you know what I mean? I mean, it's sure. great to collect that check, but I want to go out on top to just go out. And, and, and to, to his credit, Tom had a good year last year. Offensively, they, they, I don't know if you can look at the numbers, but they were a decent team last year. He was playing the ball around, and like I said, I thought he was having a good year. But uh, you know, when you got Tom Brady, you know, he's a threat like he does. He needs some good players around him to be productive. And you still got Gronkowski that's not 100% out there playing, but I don't see how it's going to get better. If they can't run the ball, and 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 they, and they can't establish the run and let Tom out of play action is to sit to to he's not gonna move around that much in that pocket then they're gonna be in a lot of trouble. We're talking to Hall of Famer Willie Rofe and you, you talked about Mankins. <clears throat> Mankins was traded uh, before the start of the season to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So you know and and that you know was a guy probably the best lineman and and he's gone they, and they so traded him? they traded Mankins. They traded him. Yes, they traded him to the Buccaneers. Uh, during the end of preseason, they traded him, and um, you know that's you know Bill uh, Bill Belichick in the past has done those type of things. You remember a few years back with Lawyer Malloy, where they released him before the start of the season, and ultimately Buffalo picked him up. And you thought at that point, when the Patriots got off to a slow start, that they were not going to be able to replace Lawyer Malloy. Ultimately, they replaced him. And ultimately, they won the Super Bowl that year. So the Patriots, you know, I, I, I'm you know they're off to a slow start. But they're in a division where it's very winnable. The AFC East is very winnable. And so I look at them, and and I say the Patriots are still there, and I still have the Patriots winning the AFC East, excuse me. And I look at that whole situation 
with it's funny. I had Brady and the Patriots and, and Breeze and the Saints going to the Super Bowl and both of those teams and both of those quarterbacks are, are struggling a little bit right now. So we'll see what happens, but there's a lot of football to be played. I wanna ask you that. Go ahead. Let me, let me ask you this. If Brady was having that type of having an all-pro year, do you think they put him on aisle from an extent? I mean, they set him down because they're embarrassed because of the way he's playing and they gave him all that money. You don't set uh, – if this is a guy like Tom Brady or all-pro player, you're not setting him down because of an extent. I mean, I, I mean, I don't want – you know, that's just – you know, I haven't heard. I haven't heard of that. I mean, you can research that ball, but not this early in the season. Have I heard of a guy being set down for the year on the Leskis there? I mean, he's done. He's he's done for the year. And then you know, he, obviously, he's got a whole bunch. He's got a whole bunch of most heroes in his bank account for for four games. I'm telling you that for sure. I mean, it's great to be Darius Bird, no matter what happens in terms of injury. I want to ask you this: We we saw Thursday night football last night. And you know Thursday night football, it, it's been awful. It's 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 been a, an, an awful product. I mean, the average margin of victory has been 27 points per game. It's bad. It's a bad product. It, it, it's Thursday night football pretty much unwatchable. I mean, you played this game, really. You know what it takes to prepare your body from Sunday to Sunday. But you also you, you played on Thursdays before, so you know what know what it takes to go from Sunday to Thursday. How difficult is it to prepare your body after playing on Sunday and going into a Thursday night football game? I mean, it's, it's, especially when you're younger, you might be able to get away with that. You know, when I was young, I, I, you know, before when I hit about 28, 29, I, yeah, I could, I could do it and I would go to practice and I'd be like, why are these guys going to get these massages and chiropractors when I was 25, 26? You know, but when you start getting older, you just – your body doesn't have the time to rest. You know, you have to let your body rest. You know, I understand some guys will look at it, well, we get an extra couple of days for next week's game. But when you play on a Sunday and then you have players that are nicked up like a Bridgewater, and then you're trying to, you're trying to rest so maybe got, so a few guys can't practice or you got some inflammation and you, you, you're getting therapy. So let's say, Paul, you're nicked up. Well, all he's doing right now is going there and getting treatment, trying to do his anti-inflammatory, getting the massage, trying to get the inflammation out. Well, if you got an ankle injury or you have an injury, you need a few days to get the inflammation out. Well, that's not enough time. If you play on Sunday, you go in there Monday for treatment, you're still going to have – it might be swelling up more on Monday because you hurt it on Sunday. So you, you really ain't got the Tuesday and Wednesday to even try to get, get, get the inflammation out. And we haven't started talking about it takes two – by Thursday, you're still putting in your game plan for the game Sunday. Wednesday and Thursday are usually your, your days where you, Wednesday you start practicing, putting in your game plan, and then on Thursday, the, after you run plays and practice Wednesday about against the defense they run, you tweak the game plan according to what plays you like against the team you're running. So really you still usually put in your game plan Wednesday and Thursday Friday you have it in and you and you kind of going over all your plays and stuff and then Saturday is more of a walkthrough day so that's not nearly enough time to do it. I mean I understand what the NFL is doing, but if they're going to have to keep these Thursday night go- games going, then they can't have but one team a year doing the Thursday night games if they could do it like that. So they don't have to do this two Thursdays out of the year or you know a team play on a Monday night and don't have to play again that week. 
and then they play the next week that Thursday. You know, I don't know how you can stagger it, but you can stagger it away where you make sure you don't have the same teams doing it every week and you've got different teams having to do that because you can't have two teams doing that uh, repeatedly throughout a season. It's too much. And also, I mean, what you know, what they could do possibly is, like you said, explore the possibilities of giving a team a bye week before they have to play on Thursday night. So they'll have that extra week before, and then they'll have that extra, you know, eleven. They'll have an extra few days. They'll have eleven days before their next game. So I mean, that that could be, and that's I, that's the suggestion I've been hearing, and I think that's a good way to handle it because, like you said, I mean, obviously the product is suffering. I mean, people are still going to watch it, but I mean, the product. Well, to say this, I think even if they had a week to play, I think that they would have still gotten beat by a good margin in Green Bay. I didn't think Minnesota, even if they were there, I don't think they would have won that game. And, and you might be, you're probably right, but I mean, at the same time, um, yeah, you're probably right. I mean, the, the reality is that could have been a blowout, regardless of how you look at it. If they played on Sunday, Thursday, Friday, or any other day of the week, especially when Christian Ponder is your quarterback, and he was awful last night. So yeah, yeah. I mean, the reality is, Green Bay's probably beat Minnesota on any day of the week. So to your point, that's probably right. But you know, it, it is kind of it's unfair, especially for the road team that has to travel, because again. You know, obviously you're missing games. Yeah, you want to see more of a competitive product. Your point is sure. the product was the competitive, and if it is, maybe it's not a blowout. Maybe Minnesota's rested. They're looking better. Bridgewater's out there playing. They get some momentum. You know, guys are fresher. But but the, the bottom line is the product on the field isn't, isn't the, way, the way it should be. Yeah, they're making a lot of money, but we want to see a better product uh, and some, some more competitive football if we're going to watch it, like baseball right now. It's very good. The Royals come in to beat Anaheim. Detroit's down two games. You know, uh, this team, but but these series are very competitive. St. Louis was up on on uh, on on Kansas City. Yeah. You want to see competition, and that's what your point was when we when I called you. You want the defensive players to make to have a competitive game where we're not seeing all this offense. We, I want more competition. I like the back and forth. I love the hitting of football. You know, I understand they're worried about it, but that's part of the game. It's football. You love the hitting. You like to see guys get after each other. That, like Dallas came out there, that was a good game. That was a good game because Dallas defense is flying to the ball. They're playing, they're hungry, and and that's a team that, like you said, is supposed to be bad. But now they're getting momentum, and now they're playing better. So you never know. You know, it's, it's a lot of attitude and and, and 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 coming out there wanting to get after it, just like the just like the. Uh, after the game and when injury was in the locker room, he said they won't be calling you Kansas City soft after that, after that the, the game uh, on Monday night. And, and that, that reminded me of the days when we used to play. When you didn't come in there ready to play, when we were there here, we'd run you out the stadium. You know, so, I mean, and the Saints used to do that too. They were known to run people out the stadium. You know, they did it more in the way of passing the ball. We used to run, pass, or whatever, and that's what they were able to do. Uh, uh, the Arrowhead, they were able to, get out the motherfucker on defense, but they were running and passing and doing whatever they wanted to do to the Patriots. Let me ask you this. The Saints right now, one and three. Do you see the New Orleans Saints turning this thing around and ultimately making the playoffs? One and three at this point. They're a one and three football team. Looking at their schedule. Looking at their schedule. 
No. Go ahead. I don't think they'll make the playoffs. I think they'll be competitive, but unless their defense starts playing a lot better, they're not going to make the playoffs. I mean, Drew Brees is going to give you one good one in the game. I mean, he's, he's going to be, like we said, I mean, he's a gunslinger. He's, 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 he's by far. I mean, he's going to give you one pick or, you know, if, if I'm in, if I'm looking at Tim on Drew Brees, get after him. He's going to, he's going to chuck one up there. He's going to give you an opportunity to pick one or two off a game. We already know that. So I'm going to get after him. And, we're going, and I'm going to run the ball on the Saints. Right now, they, they're not getting our blocks. If the kids get to run the ball on them, they're going to have problems. So you don't see the Saints making the playoffs at this point? No, I don't see them making the playoffs. Not, not, not when, look, look at the schedule. They only want to meet the schedule. I mean, you, still, you got Tampa next week. I mean, this week, I should say. And that should be a victory. Um, but after that, you got a bye week. You go at Detroit, Green Bay, at Carolina, San Francisco, and then Cincinnati. So you you got okay. that five games, and then Baltimore. You got so let's look at the next six. Look at the next six games. Tampa, which they should win, but after that, let's go after the bye week. We're at week seven at Detroit, winnable game. But Detroit is a very good football team right now. Green Bay at home. We know how the Saints are at home. That's the game they should win. Well, I mean, it's a fifty-fifty game because the Green Bay Packers are a good football team, but the Saints are a good Green football team. Packers, They're not going to win the For sure, but it is in New Orleans, and we know what the Saints are in New Orleans. They're a whole different animal. Then you got at Carolina, Week Nine. Carolina is struggling a little bit right now. You know, you go to you say you have San Francisco coming to the dome. You got the Bengals coming to the dome, and you got the Ravens coming to the dome. So. Week 10, 11, and 12, three-game stretch, San Francisco, Cincinnati, and Baltimore. At this point, three decent football teams. Cincinnati, obviously, an undefeated football team. Baltimore playing pretty good football. And San Francisco, back to 500 after their victory against the Philadelphia Eagles. So that three-game stretch, but it's all home. So the Saints, I'm not ready to put the Saints to bed yet. Not with Drew Brees as their quarterback. I, I can, Not yet. I can't put them in the bed, Paul, but I'm saying they got to do a lot better job against the run. they got to slow teams down. If, they, if teams come in there and start getting after them and run, start with something and throw that ball around, then they're going to be in some trouble. I don't know who they're going to move to safety, but I think whoever they move to safety is probably going to be hungry because he ain't making all that money and he's going to be ready to play. Sometimes you give a guy too much money, he ain't hungry no more. Right now, Barry <laughs> doesn't look like he wanted to play. I mean, I'm just being honest. We didn't make all that money. We made a few million because we're hungry. Guys want to play. So these guys make a lot of money out of these guys. We talk about how much they make it. Eight, nine, two, and whatever mean. These guys are making all this money. We're doing it on pay for it to the contract year. You know, they're not, you got to be a pro's pro. And so these guys just are pro's pros. And, and we'll see what happens. I mean, we'll see what happens moving forward to New Orleans Saints, hopefully for your sake, as being a Saints guy, they could turn this thing around and get into the playoffs. Willie. Pleasure talking to you, man. Wish you nothing but the best of luck. Let's do this again. All right. Thank you, Paul. All right. Hall of Famer Willie Rofe giving his take on all things NFL and, and the Saints. I mean, last here's the funny thing. You know, coming into this season, coming into this season, all the talk, and I'm going to, I'm going to go to the Cowboys now. All this talk coming into this season, when we talk about the NFC East, we talked about the Philadelphia Eagles. We talked about the Philadelphia Eagles, and, and a lot of people had the Eagles going to the Super Bowl. And and we forgot, in my mind, in my opinion, about the Dallas Cowboys. I said before the season started 
that the Dallas Cowboys would win the NFC East. You know, four weeks into the season, well, the Cowboys and the Eagles are on top of the NFC East, three games to one, both three and one, but there's still a lot of football to be played. Don't get me wrong, still a lot of football to be played. But my argument going into the season was, well, to me, I thought the Cowboys had the best quarterback in the division, and Tony Romo coming off a of back surgery, even with Nick Foles. I mean, Nick Foles only done it one year, and that wasn't even a full season. He's only done it one year. And, and so we don't know what he's going to be, and he's had some struggles right now for the Philadelphia Eagles. Passes over 20 yards, well, he's the most inaccurate quarterback in football with, with passes over 20 yards. So I, I look at Nick Foles. And I look at Tony Romo, and I think the Cowboys have the best quarterback in the division. Obviously, the Eagles, coming into the season, you would think the Eagles would have the best running back and the best running game in the division. But LeSean McCoy in that offensive line obviously banged up. Jason Kelsey out to November. Evan Mathis out. Lane Johnson on suspension. He returns this week. So you're missing big parts of your offensive line. The offensive line that paved the way for Shady McCoy to have over 1,600 yards rushing. Well, that's out. That's, that's gone. And now, DeMarco, and, and now, you know, the Eagles are having some struggles running the football. And a big part of what they did last season was running the football, and that's what made that offense as successful as it was last season. Nick Foles gave him a lot of credit. He balled out last year. But right now, he's off to a slow start. He's off to a little bit of a slow start for the Philadelphia Eagles. Will he turn around? We'll see. But he's off to a slow start. And part of that could be the run game not being revved up for the Philadelphia Eagles. Part of that could be, well, his best receiver is in Washington, Deshaun Jackson. Part of that, his struggles could be not having Deshaun Jackson there. Riley Cooper, who is the second wide receiver, is struggling. Part of that could be because number 10 is now number 11 in Washington. That could be a part of the struggles. Deshaun opened up a lot for Riley Cooper. So a part of Riley Cooper's issues could be not having number 10, Deshaun Jackson. And, and Chip Kelly, you know, the system has proven to be great to this point. It's putting up numbers, a lot of offensive numbers. But you also need players. And, and you know, say what you will about Deshaun Jackson, but he balled out last year in that offense. He was big time. And I was looking forward as a Philadelphia Eagles fan, I was looking forward to the possibilities of seeing Macklin and Jackson together. I was looking forward to that. Last year, I was looking forward to that. But ultimately, Macklin went down, <clears throat> went down with the ACL. So we weren't able to see it last year. And obviously, Deshaun Jackson was released, and we didn't get to see them two together. Macklin's playing good. Macklin's playing very good for the Philadelphia Eagles right now, playing well, getting it done for the Eagles. But he knows Deshaun Jackson. He doesn't have the big playability of Deshaun Jackson. He doesn't. There's not many who do in terms of wide receivers in the National Football League. Say what you will about Deshaun Jackson. Yes, you're not going to get much over the middle from him, but you're sure going to get a lot of big plays. And we saw Sunday night, not Sunday night, a couple Sundays ago against the Washington Redskins, with the Washington Redskins when it came to Philadelphia, and Deshaun Jackson 81 yards later with a big touchdown against the Philadelphia Eagles. So you see his big playability. He's a big play guy. He's a big play guy. Maybe that's one of the components missing from the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Your best wide receiver from a year ago 
is now number 11 in Washington, and maybe you're missing that. And maybe that's a part of what's going on with your run game. Maybe that's a part of what's going on with Riley Cooper. Maybe that's what's going on with the deep balls from Nick Foles. He seems to be overthrowing those deep balls. I mean, it throws like a lollipop, an air ball, if you will, with his deep ball. I mean, it hasn't been pretty in terms of the deep ball for Nick Foles. But the Eagles had the Rams this week, and, and that's a game they should win. The Eagles should win that. The Cowboys have the Texans, and the Cowboys should win that. So both of these teams, at the end of this week, should both be 4-1. and And coming into this season, we look at the NFC East, and I'm not saying it's going to happen, but we look at the NFC East, and we were saying, okay, the NFC East is a very bad division. So you're only going to get one team out of that division in terms of the playoffs. One team. And I only had one team coming out of that division. That was the Dallas Cowboys. And that was the talk. But right now the Giants are playing better, 2-2. Two and two. Beat the Texans, beat the Redskins. Also the Giants. You know, so the Giants have the Atlanta Falcons. And Atlanta Falcons, they can put up some points, but there's some struggles on the offensive line, some injuries. And defensively, they're not very good. So the, the, the Giants could easily be 3-2 and two by the week's end. So the NFC East is what we thought was going to be a very bad division. By the end of this week, you could have 4-1 Philly, 4-1 Dallas, and 3-2 and New York, the Giants. So say what you will coming into the year about the NFC East, but the NFC East may actually, may actually be a strong division when this thing is all said and done. We'll see. But the two top teams in the division, Philadelphia and the Cowboys coming into the season, I said those teams are very similar. Two teams that can put up points. Two teams that could run the football. I actually thought Dallas's offense, you know, in terms of some of the players, were better. Des Bryant, to me, the number one receiver for the Dallas Cowboys is better than Jeremy Macklin. LaShawn McCoy, to me, is better than DeMarco Murray, but at this point, DeMarco Murray is having a better season than, Deshaun, than uh, LaShawn McCoy. And then the quarterback situation. I'm not a guy, even with the numbers that Nick Foles put up, and he put up some big-time numbers, 27 touchdowns, only two interceptions last season. That's big time. That's darn near a perfect season. He put up the numbers. And Tony Romo, even coming off a back injury, it was in my opinion that Tony Romo was still, to me, the best, what was the best quarterback in that division, is the best quarterback in that division. Time will tell. But right now, Cowboys are off to a good start. And right now, the Cowboy defense, which we thought was going to be historically bad, is not playing all that bad. I mean, they're, they're, they're actually playing okay. They're actually playing okay on the defensive side of the ball. I mean, obviously you don't expect the Cowboys defense to be the 86 Bears or the 2000 Ravens or the Seahawks defense. But if their offense continues to play that way it's been playing, if, if DeMarco Murray continues to run the way he's been running, then guess what? The Dallas Cowboys are a team that, in my mind, I believe is going to win the NFC East. And they actually, if they continue on this path, and I'm just looking at their schedule, they got the Texans this week. They should win that game in my opinion. But then they go at Seattle, New York and Washington at home, Arizona at home. So they got at at Seattle, 
And then after Seattle, they got a three-game homestand, New York, Washington, and Arizona. That should be an interesting homestand. I think we're going to learn a lot about the Cowboys in that homestand. Arizona, undefeated football team. I don't know how much I believe in them, but an undefeated football team. And you got the Giants and the Redskins. So an opportunity for the Cowboys to, to you know, do some things in the division, playing those two division games against the Giants and the Redskins. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. But I, I look at this Cowboy team, and this is a team, along with the Philadelphia Eagles, both of those teams are going to be there when it's all said and done in terms, in terms of winning the NFC East. It should be very interesting. I'm looking forward to it. You're listening to Go For It on Block Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Go For It, Donald Faison. Your Knicks have the best chance out east, though. I will say that. The Knicks have the best chance in the Eastern Conference to beat the Miami Heat. And the Knicks have had some success against the Miami Heat in the regular season, but... I just that doesn't mean anything in the playoffs time. When the playoffs come, it doesn't true. mean anything. I was, uh, trying to throw you, you know I was trying to throw you a bone, man. I was trying to get your, nah. your hopes up. Come on, man. I'm a realist, <laughs> too, man. <laughs> Actor Robbie Jones. Well, we know that, you know, we know that you can tempt married women. We've seen you, you, you have a pedigree. <laughs> we see what you can do. We've seen it. <laughs> I would never bring my wife around, too. I yeah, just don't know what you're capable of. Come on now. Come on now. That's early. <laughs> That's not Roxy. <laughs> That's called butter. All right. Sounds good. Thank you so much. You're Thanks. very, very good at your job. Thank you, sir. Make it fun. You really do. <laughs> so- okay. Hey, what up? It's Corey Almeida, a.k.a. Corey Live, host of Picturica on the Hub and warm-up host for American Idol and Dancing with the Stars. And right now, you are listening to Go For It on Blog Talk Radio with my man, Paulie G and Jeremy. Get it! And we're back. We're back. We're bringing a guy now, big-time actor, 30 years in the game, done it all, seen it all. He's a New Yorker. He's a big-time Giants fan. Just a couple minutes ago, I said it. The Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. Let me repeat myself. The Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. And this guy now, he's going to be starring in a big-time movie coming out October 24th, St. Vincent. A lot of people are talking about that. little Oscar buzz around it. But let's bring him in now, actor Ray Anacelli. Yannicelli, Yannicelli. Yannicelli. <laughs> With the big fat belly. All right, man. <laughs> Ray, how are you? I'm great. Knock on wood. Yourself? Oh, great. Thanks for joining us. Oh, yeah, man. My pleasure. My pleasure. I, listen, I interrupted a nice little drinking session to come here. Oh, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I made I'm some sorry pasta. about that. I made some pasta for my neighbors, and we had a nice salad and a nice glass of wine. So uh, everything is good. Everything is fine. You're living a life, man. You're living, living a life. life in God's country, Brooklyn, New York. Oh, man. Spread love the Brooklyn way, huh? I'm telling you. The only thing I miss is my wife. She's in Jamaica. But she'll be back on 1010. <laughs> well, you got time to yourself. Take advantage got, of that time. 
Yeah, I'm too old to, you know, but I just stay home. I'm a good, I'm a good husband. <laughs> That's a good thing. Let me ask you this. Before yeah, we had man. you on, I was talking about the NFC East. In my yeah. opinion, you're a Giants yeah. guy. In my opinion, the Dallas Cowboys will win the NFC East. Yeah, you're, talking through, you're talking through your hat. They're going to fold <laughs> like they always fold. Look, you know, I love Romo. What's his name? Romo. Uh, but, you know, the poor guy is just not in the cards. But the Giants are going to win. The Giants are going to have – Mr. Manning, our Manning, is going to have three rings. His brother's going to end up with one. And it so all what counts. Manning would you rather have, Eli or Peyton? Uh, I'll take Eli right now. Okay. All right. All right. I'll take so, Peyton. I know. I know. His brother Peyton's got all the stats. I know about this. Anyway, I want to talk to you about St. Vincent. Okay. Now many Let's talk about it. Coming out October 24th, starring Bill yeah, Murray, man, starring I'm, yourself. I'm Tell us about premiere, it. I'm going to a premiere Monday night, red carpet, and uh, it's at the uh, it's at the uh, Zigfield Theater in New York, which is a big old beautiful movie house, one big screen, and it's going to be an exciting night. And I had a great, great, great pleasure of working with Bill Murray. The guy's incredible. One of your He's favorites. He's a big dude, man. He could play linebacker. <laughs> I heard you I'm say he could play he's linebacker for the Jets. He could, anybody could play linebacker. No, that's not true. they got a good defense. <laughs> but it's, I think it's going to be a wonderful movie. There's a lot of buzz. Uh, I had the privilege of working uh, with him, and it's uh, it's got a great cast. And, uh, you know, who knows? Who knows? Uh, hey, let me ask you this. Listen, let me, let me just say something. You can ask me anything you want. I was talking to a buddy of mine here in New York, an actor, who's from uh, outside of Philly, Bryn Mawr. Okay. And he's a sports fanatic. You know, everything, everything Philadelphia. Everything. He's, me too. He's, just, he's like me. Yeah. Yeah, that's he's what he like said. Me. He said, oh, that guy, he's from right outside of Philly. Is that right? Yeah, I am. Are you are? All right, all right. Well, his I name am. Is, his name is J- Nick Giangiulio. He's a fanatical uh, Philly fan. He, You know what he Likewise. does? Likewise. When he <laughs> when he watches the football game on Sunday, you know, he's got the package. He can watch Philly no matter where they are. He does not sit down in his living room. <laughs> he refuses to sit. And if you call him, he doesn't answer the phone. Wow. Yeah, he's great. That's he's big great. time. That's big, big time. time. So you anyway, I want everybody to go see St. Vincent. It's a wonderful movie. It's with, uh, with a, a wonderful bunch of wonderful actors. It's a great story, you know, and uh, and there we are. And then I'll be walking up for an Oscar. You never know. For sure. That, what would that mean for you? What would that mean to you? An Oscar? It yeah. would mean like uh, ten times my salary. What, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I could buy another house in Jamaica. For sure. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I go to Jamaica a lot. My wife's Jamaica. Jamaican. She's from a town called Port Antonio. Okay. We have a little. Uh, we have a little shack down there. You know, it's you know, it's got a grass roof and a, a dirt floor, but it's nice. We like it. Uh, it's got no indoor plumbing. It's got no hot water, uh, and we live off the land. That's uh, beautiful. <laughs> believe that, and I'll tell you another one. But uh, no, we have a home down there. We go there. Uh, she cooks Jamaican. I cook Italian. Uh, and what's better? Uh, so let me ask you this. You, yeah. you got the Jamaican, you got the Italian together. Uh, give yeah. me a dish. 
with that. I mean, that, that's got to be something special, something interesting. No, we don't combine the two. What kind of purist? Oh, no. She, she cooks. The only thing I made once was uh, uh, jerk pizza. I made that a pizza good. on the barbecue, and I put jerk sauce on it. Do you know jerk sauce? Yes, it's hot. Hot, hot, it's hot. <laughs> Scotch bonnet uh, habanero pepper. Hottest pepper, wow. well, I don't know if it's the hottest pepper in the world, but it's like ten times hotter than a jalapeno. And my okay. wife eats them raw. She just eats them. Boom, boom. Wow. So, you know, she's got uh, a strong backbone, to say the least. For sure. Anyway, I would hate Carver, to to... what are we talking about? Uh, I would hate to go to bathroom after her. Oh! <laughs> oh, my God. She's not listening. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> we like candles, <laughs> you know. It's no problem. We like candles. It's all right. <laughs> We're, right, we're talking man. to actor Ray Yanacelli. Yanacelli, feel your belly. Yanacelli with fat belly. What? <laughs> Yanacelli <laughs> with a big fat belly. I got it. Let me, let me. Obviously, St. Vincent's coming out. Obviously, you play a character, Roger. Tell us about Roger. Roger's drunk. <laughs> okay. Right. <laughs> Roger's the bartender. And he's sort of the mediator, you know. I have a, we have a, we almost come to blows. Uh, Bill Murray and I, I wouldn't want to fight him. He's a big dude, and uh, uh, so we come to, you know, almost come to blows. I grab him across the bar. We have an argument. That's one scene. Then other scenes, just normal scenes with the kid, you know, and uh, a couple of other great bar flies that are in the on, in the flick. There's a, there's a wonderful actor. Who's at the bar? Uh, what the heck is his name? Reggie, 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 Kathy. Kathy. Okay. H E Y. Terrific actor. And he and I got along well. And uh, we stayed sober the whole shoot. It was a wonderful experience. <laughs> uh, it sounds like I'm an alcoholic. I'm not, but. <laughs> and, it's okay. Uh, but I do love wine. I love wine. Right. I love wine. All My right. grandfather made wine. Okay. Wow. In the house. Yeah. In the house, yeah. In in Brooklyn, man. God's country. Wow. Came wow. over here from Naples and they used to make the wine and we called it a cellar. We we didn't have a, a basement. We had a cellar. Okay. Okay. And we made the wine. I remember in the cellar. I remember. What'd you For call sure. it? What'd you call it? You called it a cellar? I remember hearing cellar. I I grew cellar. up with the word cellar. Definitely. Cellar. Definitely. Yeah, you up, oh, you know what I thought of today? Being here from Philadelphia. Now, I don't know how old you are, and you don't have to tell me, but do you remember the name Eddie Wakis? I don't remember the name. Oh, see, you're young. Eddie Wakis was a terrific ball player. Came up in in right before World War II. I think he might have been in contention for Rookie of the Year with the Chicago Cubs. Came back from the war, decorated hero. He hit like 300 or something. Then he was traded to the Phillies. And he went to, okay. uh, with with the Phillies, he went to Chicago to play a game. And he got a note at the hotel from a woman who used a classmate's, a high school chum of his, classmate's name, that she was in a room, please come, he had, she had something important. He went up to the room, she shot him. Wow. That's what the book is based on, The Natural. Okay. The film. The film is based sure. on the book, the book was based on that. Now, the interesting thing in my storytelling here is my father was in Chicago, and he gave blood to Eddie Wakers. Wow. Isn't that something? Wow. That is he something. Was, uh, a good family friend was a guy named Phil Cavaretta. He played for the Cubs for 20 years, 293 batting average, uh, 
Uh, he play, He was managed for a while. Then he was a batting instructor with the Mets. Oh, here's a great story. Great story. When I was a kid, I used to go to a hotel where all the National League uh, teams used to come in by by train. Okay. And it was the Hotel Commodore, which was about, uh, above Grand Central Station. And I'd go there with my father, my brother, my sister, and we'd have some a bite with the, some of the ball players who my father knew. And then sometimes we'd get on the subway and go to Ebbets Field or go to the Polo Grounds, depending, right? Mm-hmm. So we're on the subway, and Phil Cavaretta, Hank Sauer, Hank Sauer was an MVP one year. We're on the subway, four or five ball players decide to take the subway, and this guy's looking at Cavaretta, and he says, he says, excuse me, sir. Cavaretta says, yes, he said. The guy says to him, are you Phil Cavaretta? He says, yes, I am. He said, you went 0 for 4 last night. That's <laughs> 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 the subway for you. Uh, that's what Bell Ray sometimes. Yeah, man. 2014. Oh, I got another movie coming out. Yeah, 2014. You got a lot of stuff going on. The remake yeah, I got of Annie. Annie. Annie's coming out in Everybody December. loves Annie. Talk Are you about kidding me? And the young lady, the girl, what's her name like? Quavenjane? Quavenjane, I think. Quavenjane, I forget. Wallace, the little girl from the mm-hmm. Beast of the Southern Wind is in it. Okay. Know what I'm talking about? Speak up. Hurry up. Time is important there. <laughs> okay, we got you. We got you. All right, so. I don't know. You she's, play- <laughs> she's playing Annie. And she's okay. a young lady, you know, who's got stardom in her life if she handles it well. But uh, I think she will. She's got a great sense of humor. Bobby Cannavale's in it. Uh, Jamie Foxx is in it. Yeah, uh, got a lot of and Paz names. is in it. Ray Yannicelli is in it. Uh, <laughs> uh, Pickles Monahan is in it. No, she's not in it. Um, uh, who else is in it? Uh, Johnny Cashmere? No, he's not in it either. Cameron Diaz. Cameron Diaz, she's great. She's great. She's yeah. got a great sense of humor also. Nice lady. Very nice lady. Pretty lady. Very nice. Yeah, and very nice, classy lady. Very nice. <laughs> she tells dirty jokes. But, hut, hut, hut. but uh, and I can't tell them on air, right? I can't tell these jokes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Clean them up a little bit. Edit no, yourself. I can't. So listen, everything's good by you? Everything is great. Everything is great. So Yeah, man, you got a good show. You're a success. I try oh, to I have another movie coming out. What the hell's the name yeah, of it? Yeah, you do. Tell us about it. Uh, the Challenger. Yeah. The Challenger. It's, um, sadly enough, uh, I think it might have been the last movie in a Michael Clark Duncan made. It is. It is. You know the big actor, the big guy? Yeah. Thought of, yep. of a heart attack, young. Yeah. Young. It is. Terrible, 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 terrible. So, you know what that Buddha said? You know what Buddha said? What do you think? Buddha said, life sucks, have a good time. So, <laughs> so uh, you never know, right? you got to count your blessings. I know that's a terrible cliche, but it's true. You well, any, enjoy anything, can anything can happen in life. Every, so, you, you know, you try to you know, live the best you can and do the best you can because you never know. Every, that, that's the deal. And uh, uh, I got another movie, too. What the hell is the name of that one? Man, you're busy in 2014. In, in 2014. Yeah, but I haven't worked for like three months. Indifferent Women. That's another one. Indifferent Women. That's another one that should be coming out next year. Okay. And, All right. Uh, and I, I made my own little movie. 
if I could send you a copy. Nick Giangiulio is in it. All right. friend from Marb. He went to, he, he played football in high school and he wrestled. And then he went to Dayton. Okay. And so then his, one of his claims to fame is when he was in college, there was a circus or a rodeo or some, you know, crazy show came through town and he fought a bear. Wow. Fought a bear. He's a tough guy, you know right? some, You know some crazy people. Oh, thank God Almighty. Well, I grew up in Brooklyn <laughs> to begin with. For you know, sure. Tommy Tomatoes, you know, you know, all these wonderful guys. Tommy Tomatoes, you know, he got that name because he worked in the grocery store, right? <laughs> well, so oh, Mikey Ghost, that was another friend of mine, Mikey Ghost. They called him Ghost because every time you turned around, he was gone. So, I, I, uh, I thought that was the reason. I just didn't say it, but I did, <laughs> thought, I did think that was the reason. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes I tell these stories. I don't know if they're true. You know, I've been telling them for so long. I think sometimes I just make them up. You tell them long enough, of course it's going to be true. All right. That's right. Now, listen, I'm going to send you a movie. Okay. All right, that I directed. It's a short. I want to see it. I want to see it. Yeah. And Nick Giangiulio is in it. He's from outside of Philadelphia, great sports fan. Okay. And uh, so what else is going on in your life, young man? How old are you? And now... I'm 38 years old, sir. I'm 39. Oh, wow. That's great. I lie like a rug. <laughs> We're talking to actor Ray Yonicelli. Ray has a big-time film coming out October 24th, St. Vincent, starring yeah. Ray Yonicelli and also starring Bill Murray. Let me ask you this, Ray. You've been in this game for a long time, 30 years yeah. as an actor. That's a mighty, yeah. mighty long time. When yeah. are you going to stop? When are you going to stop? Never. Are you kidding Never. me? Never. Never. The greatest thing is to work. That's when I'm, I'm sure. the happiest. I tell my wife. I'm the happiest when I'm on the set. I don't care okay. if it's a play, if it's a movie, if it's a commercial, if it's a voiceover, if it's an industrial, anything. It's just a wonderful experience because everybody's there for a short time and everybody's trying to create something good. You know, it's like a baseball Definitely. team. You're trying to... You're all trying to work together. You're trying to do the best you can, you know, for an, for a little bit of time in life. So, so you pretty uh, much you pretty much see yourself dying on set somewhere. Oh man, you know, years ago I would like to die in a saddle. Now at my <laughs> age, I'm more I'm more impressed with a good bottle of wine, and okay. I would love to die on stage. Are you kidding me? Absolutely. Yeah. That would be a nice death, right? How would you like to die? Uh, how would I like to die? Yeah, on air. Sure. Why not? <laughs> right right <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, man. So, listen, what else is going on? Tell me. Well, what's going on with you, Ray? I mean, you've been in this game, like we said, for a mighty, mighty long time. Long I got, time. Who, who's your favorite person? Who's the, your favorite person to work with? Is there one person that you no. say, wow? I love working no, with this guy. It's not one person. Because 99% of the people you meet in this business, as I'm sure in your business, they're all good. They're all here for the same reason. Right. Whether it's the director, the producer, fellow actors, you know, people behind the camera, uh, you know, uh, it doesn't matter. They're there for the same reason. We gripe, we bitch, we moan. You know, uh, sometimes you work 12, 14 hours, you're raining, you're cold, you're sweating. But, you know, it's a great way of life. You know, if you can work, if you can make a living, uh, you know, you, you, what could be better? I'm doing what I want to do. 
for sure. You know, and doing what makes you happy. I'm doing, yeah. You know, I took a chance. Look, I got three pensions from performing You're, artists. You know, for from different unions. I got Social Security. I, who would have guessed? You know, guys <laughs> who went to work for you know this bank, that bank, this company, got bupkis. You know, they got laid off to pensions. Some bastard stole their pensions. Uh, you know, I'm just, I'm lucky, knock on wood. I'm just lucky. For sure. For sure. My brother, are you on Twitter? Are, are you on Twitter, Am I Ray? on Twitter? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Yeah. Where, where can fan. fans connect with Ray Yonicelli on Twitter? Facebook. Facebook. Facebook, okay. Where, Facebook. Uh, uh, under your name, Ray Yonicelli, correct? Yeah, yeah, man, Ray Yonicelli. My brother played so, ball. I played four or five years in minor league baseball. Oh wow! So you got yeah, a little, athlete, all, you know, a little athletes in your blood, this. little athletics Listen in your to blood. This. Listen to this: he was all city baseball, he was all city basketball in high school, and he was blind in one eye. Wow! And that's something. That's amazing. That something? Yeah. You Yanacellis, yeah. man, you guys persevere. You guys get it done no matter the obstacles. Well, that's what my brother-in-law tells me. He says, "Ray, you're a survivor." So For sure. yeah. You, you got to do it, you know. You're down some days. You're broke sometime, you know, for a while. I was broke and had a scramble, you know, years ago. Did different odd jobs, you know, sold pots and – I literally sold pots and pans in, in a flea market. And you're now? Yeah, yeah 30, 30 years, years ago. Years, me and, buddy. Yeah, 30 years ago now, 30 years ago later, you're 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 doing big-time things, man. You're, you're, I'm making a living. You're about to make. You're about to win an Oscar at some point. Hey, I hope so. Knock on wood. What do they used to say? From your lips to God's ear, right? For sure. That's they it, say, man. you know, the power of the tongue. I put it in the universe, and it'll happen, right? Way to go, man. Way to go. That's so now I it's just, in the universe. I just Ray Yannicelli will win an Oscar. I just said it. I put it out there. The universe is going to take it now, and they're going to do I, what they got to do with it. It's Thank done. Thank you, sir. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Ray. sir. Yeah, man. Pleasure talking to you, man. Really Pleasure is. talking to you anytime, anytime, man. Wish anytime. you nothing but the best of luck moving forward. You sound like a good man. Thank you. Take care. Okay, you too. Take care. Brooklyn, stand up. <laughs> Actor Ray Yanicelli. Good guy. I mean, he's a funny man. You know, he's got a lot of jokes, jokes for days, a lot of great stories, a lot of great stories to tell. And make sure, October 24th, you go check it out. St. Vincent, it's a comedy. It's going to be funny. It's Ray Yanicelli. It's Bill Murray. And it's a possibility, there is a possibility for an Oscar to come from it. So, make sure you check it out. Ray Yanicelli. St. Vincent, Ray Yonicelli, Annie, Ray Yonicelli, Challenger. This guy is doing it super big in 2014. That's big time. Let's go back to the National Football League. Let's go back to talking sports and having fun doing it. We look at a lot of the games this week, and, and I want to look at Geno Smith in the New York Jets. And Geno Smith was fined $12,000 for shouting and cursing at a fan 
after a loss to the Giants. He yelled, bleep you, at a fan after the Jets lost to the Detroit Lions 24-17. to And here's the thing. They were hard on Geno Smith on, on Sunday. They really were. They were hard on that guy. But the reality is you're in New York City. So you got to get used to to playing against and not playing against, but you know, obviously got to get used to playing and, and being a top caliber quarterback in the National Football League and getting it done in the National Football League. But you got to get used to the fans. They're rough. They're a rough fan base. A rough fan base. They're a tough fan base. They get on you. And they were on Geno Smith throughout the course of that football game. Can't say I don't blame them, but they were on him. Chant Michael Vick at one point in that game. And I look at the New York Jets, and, and to me, the move is Michael Vick. Because this part of the season, right now, you're a struggling football team. Right now, you're a team that is about to go through a tough part of your schedule. You're wanting th- one and three. Your next three at San Diego, Denver at home, and at New England. Patriots are struggling a little bit, but I think they'll turn it around. Chargers are playing good football right now, but they're not unbeatable. And, of course, you got the Broncos and Peyton Manning. And last time he went to MetLife Stadium, it wasn't so nice. But he's not playing Seattle. <laughs> but anyway, there's a possibility at the end of this next three games that the Jets easily could be one in six. Easily. Best possible scenario is what? If you win the next three, you go four and three. Well, I don't believe they're going to win the next three. So you win the next two, and at that point, you're three and four. Not bad. <coughs> Excuse me. Considering they're playing in the division, the AFC East, the Patriots are not playing good football. The Dolphins, you know, they're off and on. And the Buffalo Bills, well, they just made a quarterback change, and we'll get to that in a moment. Buffalo decided to make the change. The Jets didn't. I don't think it's a good move. I'm not saying, here's the thing. Michael Vick throughout the course of his career has been prone to turnovers. He has. There's no doubt about that. But I think Michael Vick offers more than Geno Smith. I think Michael Vick, and here's the thing. Last time Michael Vick was in this position, do you remember back in 2010, the 2010 season? That season, the Philadelphia Eagles had Kevin Cobb as their quarterback. Donovan McNabb was just traded to the Washington Redskins. So Kevin Cobb was poised to become the franchise quarterback for the Philadelphia Eagles. Michael Vick, in some respect, backup quarterback, but in a lot of ways an afterthought. <clears throat> Many did not believe that Michael Vick could, could, could re, you know, rekindle the magic, if you will. And, and not to say with the Falcons, I mean, he had some success. You know, not it could, could have been a better passer, but he was successful, won a couple of playoff games, had the Falcons one game away from winning the Super Bowl, or getting to the Super Bowl, I should say, uh, back in 2004. But anyway, I look at Michael Vick and 2010. Michael Vick coming back from the dog fighting and everything. Well, guess what? A lot of people thought that Michael Vick couldn't rekindle that magic, and he did it. He came in, 
against the Green Bay Packers in that first game. Kevin Cobb went out with a concussion. Michael Vick comes in, almost leads the Eagles to a comeback against the Green Bay Packers. Comes back the next week, has a big-time performance against the, uh, against the Detroit Lions, has another performance against the Jaguars, had a few other couple of performances, and ultimately 2010 turned into a magical year for Michael Vick. It was a magical year for Michael Vick. Probably his best year as a passer, as a pro. I mean, that was his best passing year. That was his best year, as a, I believe, as a passer in 2010. He put up numbers. He put up numbers. And, you know, 2010, that was the year that earned him ultimately another $100 million, court, uh, $100 million contract. I mean, he came off the bench, you know, was big time, 21 touchdowns, only six interceptions. I mean, 100 quarterback rating. I mean, he had a big year for the Philadelphia Eagles, a big year. And that 3,018 yards at the time was his career best in 2010. That was his career best in terms of yardage. But the point I'm trying – and this is basically the same offense that he flourished under back in 2010 with Marty Morningway as the offensive coordinator. But the, the reality is, at the time, we were saying, Michael Vick, he can't do it. I don't think he'll be able to do it again. I don't think he'll be able to rekindle it. We doubted Michael Vick. And Michael Vick was hungry for another payday, hungry to be a starter. Now, fast forward, four years later, Michael Vick, 34 years old. <coughs> Michael Vick. You know, many thought he would come to New York with the Jets and challenge Geno Smith for the starting spot. That really didn't happen. But a lot of people did think at some point in this season Michael Vick would play. I never, you know, I, I, I think I've seen enough of Geno Smith to draw my own conclusions. I believe, I, I see a lot of Quincy Carter in Geno Smith. You, you look at Quincy Carter he led the Cowboys to – Quincy Carter actually led his team to a playoffs, to the playoffs. And, you know, it's, it's obviously not out of the realm of possibility that Geno Smith couldn't do the same. I mean, that's not out of the realm of possibility. It's, it's possible. I don't see it, but it's possible. But last year, Geno Smith, 12 touchdowns, 20, 21 interceptions. I mean, understandable for a rookie. Understandable. But going into this offseason – and well, into this offseason, going into training camp, the thought process was what was that Geno Smith has improved as a player. Geno Smith is a better player, and that was the thoughts. I mean, that's what people were thinking that Geno Smith had improved as a quarterback in the offseason. That was the thinking. That was the thinking. And you know, coming into the season, a lot of people had some high hopes for Geno Smith. Well, he had some, he had some, you know, a bad interception last week where he just overthrew everybody. It was a Quincy Carter-like interception throw. I mean, that was Quincy Carter-like. But anyway, um, you know, Geno Smith struggled last week. Geno Smith was booed out of the building. I mean, you look at week one, he was solid, played the Raiders, and that's not really, you know, it's kind of easy to be solid against the Raiders. But he was solid. He was solid. 
you know, Green Bay Packers, he got off to a decent start, but he didn't finish too well. And, you know, Chicago Bears, numbers were decent, but two picks. Did throw for over 300 yards, but he did have two picks. And, and the Jets were in catch-up mode throughout the course of that game. And the Detroit Lions, you know, 17 for 33, barely 50%. You know, the, the completion percentage isn't that great. You know, other than that 82%, that seems to be an outlier on some level, 50% completion percentage against the Packers, 60% against the Bears, a little better, and then back to 51.5 against the Detroit Lions. So that 82% against the Raiders seems to be the outlier. <coughs> Excuse me. So I, I just I look at Geno Smith, and, and, you know, I don't believe in Geno Smith as a quarterback for the New York Jets. I think the Jets are still in the market for a quarterback. I think the Jets should try to save their season with Michael Vick as the starter. I really do. And if Michael Vick falters, you can still always go back to Geno Smith. There is this perception out there that you can't go back to once you once you bench him, his confidence is shook, he's done, and you can't go back to him. I disagree with that. I, I think you can go back to him. If, if Michael Vick falters, I think you can go back to him. I really do. I really do. I really think you should you can go back to him. So I look at this situation, and I think, you know, if you want to save your season, because the Jets are on the brink of, of losing their season. They're on the brink of losing their season. They really are. They're on the brink. And I, I, I think, I think, you know, you, you look at the situation. I, I really think the New York Jets would be best served going to a guy in Michael Vick who is hungry, I believe, for an opportunity, hungry, uh, and I, in my opinion, hungry for the the, the opportunity to, 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 to get himself in a position so he can be a starter maybe here in New York with the Jets next season or, or elsewhere. I think he, he's looking for that. I think he's hungry for that opportunity and I believe he thinks he can still be a starter in this league. And, and I think, you know, if, if given the opportunity, I'm not saying he's going to be sure, – I'm not going to say surefire that Michael Vick is going to come in and he's going to change the fortunes of your team, but I think he has a better opportunity to do so than Geno Smith. And speaking of teams who made a change, the Buffalo Bills, they decided to make a change. They decided to go to Kyle Orton as their starter over E.J. Manuel, and, and this is another situation, in my opinion, where I'm going to go opposite here. I don't like this move. I've seen enough of Kyle Orton throughout the course of his career. I'm not impressed. The ceiling for Kyle Orton is not that high. It never has and never will be. I don't think he makes your situation that much better. I think E.J. Manuel, a young quarterback, a guy that you spent a high draft pick on, is a guy that you should continue to go with. At this point, you're 2-2. Two and two. Your division is not that great. I'm not saying that E.J. Manuel is lighting the world on fire. I'm not saying E.J. Manuel is playing big-time football. But what I am saying, he's a young quarterback. He's a young quarterback in this league. You know, and and, and unlike Geno Smith, I mean, Geno Smith started the whole season last year. He started that whole season. E.J. Manuel did not. He didn't. And, you know, he missed time with injury. E.J. Manuel, as far as I'm concerned, you know, obviously you're still developing this guy. He's still you're still developing this guy. And 
to me, to me, I think, in my opinion, just looking at E.J. Manuel, I still think he deserves to continue. To, he deserves to be the starter at this point. I think he still should continue to be the starter. I really do. He still should be the starter. I mean, the guy started 10 games last year, played 10 games last year. And you look at him, even um, in uh, 2014, I mean, he started 14 games throughout the course of his career. Been a little up and down. You know, definitely been a little up and down. But, again, you're developing this quarterback. And, you know, a lot of people had questions about E.J. Manuel. And at this point, you have to question Florida State quarterbacks maybe. You know, Jameis Winston is there. And, you know, all indication is pointing to that he's going to be a stud on the next level. I mean, it seems that way. Just the issue with uh, Jameis is he can't seem to get, keep himself out of trouble. But anyway, E.J. Manuel, Christian Ponder, two guys, you know, 16th pick for the Buffalo Bills in 2013, E.J. Manuel. Pretty high. And, you know, he's a guy that they wanted to turn the keys to their franchise over to. He's the guy they wanted to be their franchise quarterback. Still have to keep going with this. Kyle Orton, is Kyle Orton really going to change the the, the fortunes of the uh, Buffalo Bills? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, and and I would be stunned if Kyle Orton can turn the season around for the Buffalo Bills. And, and you could say, well, Israel, the Bills really don't need no turning of their season around because, really, they're on top of their division, two and two. I almost believe it's a panic move. I believe it's a panic move by the Buffalo Bills. I really do. I think it's a panic move. And and I think E.J. Manuel, again, the Buffalo Bills, they probably didn't, you know, they won their first couple games probably in spite of E.J. Manuel. I mean, E.J. Manuel probably wasn't the big biggest reason why they won those games. But E.J. Manuel did win those games. And I don't know. I just, I just don't believe that you should give up on him right now. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, Again, 14 games. And it's not like you're pulling him for somebody who I guess has been proven in this league and Kyle Orton. I mean, and it's not like you're prov- you're, you're pulling him for another young quarterback that you believe can get it done. I just believe that E.J. Manuel, hey, I'm not on this, I'm not going to say that E.J. Manuel is a guy that's going to be a big-time quarterback in this league. I'm not saying that. But five touchdowns, only three interceptions, you know, thus far in this regular season, it's not bad. It's just not. I mean, it's 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 not that bad. And and I think he's a guy. You're two and two. You're five hundred. You're on top of your division. Granted, your division may not be that great, but you're still on top of your division. Your your numbers are not eye popping, of course, but they're not awful either. They're not awful numbers. They're not. Five touchdowns, three interceptions. You know, it, it, it's not bad. It's not bad. 838 yards. I think it's a panic move. And maybe they know something more than I do. They're with him day to day. Maybe they see something in him that they don't like. But he did lead a team on the road against the Bears in Chicago and got that W. 
beat the Dolphins the next week, got that W, decent in that game, was mistake-free, and lost to the San Diego Chargers uh, mistake-free in terms of interceptions. He was mistake-free. <clears throat> so, each Emmanuel last week was tough. Two picks, you know, including that 80-yard interception return by J.J. Watt. And how impressive was that? Was that impressive for what, J.J. Watt? I mean, this guy's a lineman, a defensive end, and this guy took that back 80 yards. You know, a lot of people are talking about this guy is possibly the best football player out there, period. The best football player out there. I mean, I don't know. I don't know about that. But the, that play was, was, was superhuman. Was superhuman. What a play. What a play. But the Jets, they're doing the wrong thing by keeping uh, Geno Smith in as their quarterback and the Bills are doing the wrong thing by changing their quarterbacks and going to Kyle Orton. It's a mistake. It's a mistake. Hello, you're on Go For It. Hello, sir. Uh, Mike in uh, Pittsburgh, how are you doing? How are you, Mike? Good. Hey, uh, I'm a a diehard Dallas Cowboy fan, but I'm not buying the Kool-Aid yet. Um I'm Drink telling it. you, I'm telling Drink you, it. this this game, uh, this game Sunday against the Texans is the ultimate trap game. You just come ba- come back from beating New Orleans on Sunday. Next mm-hmm. week you play Seattle, and this is a classic Jason Garrett uh, <laughs> game where he gets off to a slow start. The team comes out lethargic. I mean, we saw it in the third game. Uh, against St. Louis when they got down mm-hmm. 21 nothing after beating the Titans. And I've just seen Jason Garrett. I watch every game of the Cowboys. When everything's going good, you know, the media gets on them. The Cowboys are going to go back to the playoffs. This is where they let down. I know the offensive line's playing better. I'm still not sold on the defense yet. I, I refuse to believe as bad as the defense was last year that all of a sudden they turned it around. But here's the thing. And, and 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 I'm not sold on the defense as well. But I I look at the Cowboys and coming into the season, I thought the Cowboys were going to win the NFCs because I look at the Cowboys and I look at the Eagles. In a lot of ways, they're identical teams. Both teams have very good offenses, and both teams have very suspect defenses. But to me, I thought Romo was going to be the difference because I think Romo's a better quarterback than Nick Foles. Just my opinion. But I look at the Cowboys. Their defense to me. On, you know, judging by what they have on the offensive side of the ball, their defense doesn't have to be the 86 Bears, 85 Bears. doesn't have to be the 2,000 Ravens. All they have to be, to me, is, is, is competent, is, is hold teams, because that offense, to me, is good enough. And, and if they continue to run the ball the way they're running the ball, they're going to be a tough team to beat. And to me, I look at this Texans game, you look at it as a trap game, I look at it as a game – that they must have because they have Seattle next week. And, and I look, I think that favors the Cowboys because they know they got to get this one because it's going to be very difficult to go to Seattle and get that one. So I like the Cowboys this week. I, I think they get it done. Well, you talk about the run game, but, I mean, I've watched the Mark of Murray from his days in uh, Oklahoma up until his days for Dallas. He's never been fully healthy for a whole year. This is kind of the time in the in the season um, where you know something happens, and and usually it's a you know one two week injury, and then it lingers. 
I'm just saying, I, I, as a Cowboys fan, I've been, they've been so snake bitten the past mm-hmm. few years that you want sure. you want to believe. You really, I really do. But I've just seen the same scenario so many years where something <laughs> happens. I don't know if it's Romo's back, JJ Watt hits right. him, Murray goes out, the defense starts to fall apart. I just, I just hope you can appreciate me as a Cowboys fan. Just all the the years, the recent years, when something happens. They lose a game like this, and the next thing you know, they're back to 500 where they where they always are. For sure, and I mean it's a fair point. I mean, obviously, Dallas over the years they found ways and, and done some stupid things over the years in terms of losing games. They found ways to lose games, like you said, big time injuries at the wrong time. I mean, we look at last year, the game against the Philadelphia Eagles, last game of the season. You lose Romo before that game, and to me, in my opinion, if Romo was healthy in that game. I think they beat the Eagles, but we'll see what happens. I mean, I think they beat the Texans this week, but to your point, you're a Cowboys fan. You know this team. You've seen this team. You've been let down so many times that you can't you, – you're just not ready to believe. I got one question for you real quick, sir, then I'll get off the line. If you could just keep me on hold, I'll, I'll listen, listen in. Um, week 10, Josh Brent is eligible to come back. Um, mm-hmm. the, obviously, in the court of law – our legal system, he, he, he served his time. Morally, though, um, the way I look at it, uh, you know, he, he, he killed a person. You know, I, I know the mother of the, the player that he killed, mm-hmm. you know, said he, he encourages them to come back. But uh, I just think, you know, with everything, with the Ray Rice and everything, just, you know, letting him come back. I know it happened with Leonard Little. I'd like your opinion on if you think Josh Brent should be uh, allowed back in the league, and I'll just listen to your response. Thank you. For sure. I think Josh Brent should be allowed in the league. I think I look at it this way. Here's the thing. Here's how I view the situation. The mother of Jerry Brown, she forgives Josh Brent. And to me, that to me is enough for me. Now, if his mother was a little against this whole situation, then I would have reservations myself. But the mother, the person, that, I mean, that's her son. That's her baby. And that, her son is dead, gone, never to come back. And Josh Brent is the reason for that. But if she can forgive him, if she wants him to move, if she wants him to move on with his career, wants him to be successful, want him to have another opportunity, then I think he should get another opportunity. Just my opinion. We'll see what happens with Josh Brent. But he has some talent. And, you know, quite frankly, the Cowboys could use what Josh Brent has to offer. So we'll see what happens. But I'm a believer of the Dallas Cowboys. I'm drinking the Kool-Aid, and we'll see what the Cowboys do this week against the Houston Texans. I want to thank Willie Rowe for stopping by. Thank you, Willie, for stopping by. I also want to thank actor Ray Yonicelli for stopping by. Make sure you check out his movie, St. Vincent, coming out October 24th, featuring Bill Murray, also featuring Ray Yonicelli. You can listen to this show and other great shows, blogtalkradio.com slash pgan, where you can listen to this show and other great shows. Follow us on Twitter at GoForItGant, G-O-F-O-R-I-T-G-A-N-T. For everybody here at GoFort, we hope you have a great day. We hope you have a great night. See you later. Take care. Bye. <laughs>